increasing regulation, market saturation, and rising interest rates. Still think short-term rentals make sense? You're not alone. Join industry experts Bill Faith and Kenny Bedwell as they discuss how you can invest while still staying ahead of the curve, identifying trends before they happen, or blowing them away outright with their insights. This is STRonomics. Are you looking to invest in short-term rentals in North Carolina or South Carolina? There's a lot of great markets there, but even more important the markets are that you find the right agent. And that's where my man, Tyler Kuhn comes into place. I personally used him for three purchases totaling over $3.5 million. And I would not look to anybody else. Just jump down into the show notes right here below the podcast, click on the link and book a free discovery call with Tyler to explore the opportunities in both North Carolina and South Carolina today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to STRonomics. I'm Bill Faze, joined by my main man, Kenny Bedwell from STR Insights. Let's get this show going. Kenny, what are we talking about today, my friend? We're talking about uh, what do you do if you don't have any bookings for 2023? Or what if you're, I mean, frankly, what if what if bo- bookings aren't going your way for 2023 so far? It's, uh, I think a lot of people are in that boat. We see it on social. We see it in the emails and calls. I'm sure you get them the same as you know, as I do. Fortunately, as I posted in you know our mastermind group a couple of days ago, I've had a, just a crazy four-day run. I've taken more bookings in my portfolio in the last four days than I did in October, November, and December combined, which is crazy. I just I think that's more of a testament of how slow October, November, and December were than how great it's been the last four days. But for some reason, and no like hockey stick movement on any of the properties with rank breeze either. So it's just kind of an interesting dynamic that we can't, you know, a marketer like me, and you're a data analyst, you want to wrap your head around everything, track it, have some data to support it. I can't explain what's happened the last four days because prior to the last four days, I was kind of in that same boat of like, holy crap, what am I going to do with my properties? They're not booking, right? But the interesting thing is most of those bookings are for either March for spring break, early summer, like May through the, the prime months. Still not much is booked, nothing. I have almost most of my properties at the beach don't have anything or very, very little in January or February. And I think that's where we're going to fall behind, you know, on our cash on cash, on our cash flow for the year. If you're talking about a physical year, January 1 to December 31st, then we're going to have to try to make up for either through occupancy or or some more advanced pricing strategies. So I know what we want to talk about is if we don't have bookings, what do we do? The interesting thing, Kenny, is I think it has to do with a lot about the property first and really kind of doing an evaluation on your property. And you, you've talked about this a lot in, in previous podcasts and on your YouTube show about really identifying the amenities, the qualities that your competitors have. And, you know, so I look at my top five or six competitors I have in Rank Breeze. I've also created the spreadsheet based on the amenities that they have. And then I grade kind of their overall design and marketability from one to 10. So where, you know, maybe I, maybe I have the amenities that my number one competitor has, but maybe my design's not good enough or it doesn't render well enough in my, in, in my images to where they outrender me. So that's kind of where I get started. What about yourself? Oof. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, it I falls think... a computer in numbers. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. I mean, I, I do think, before you know you panic i do think we have to do like you know like you said it's an inward reflection of where is my property currently at 
ranking wise, you know, for I think first we go into rank breeze, we see if we're even ranking on the first page, okay, or you know, I'm right, I'm in the top 20 rate. Now, what I'm still not getting any bookings. I think that's where you know, you look at okay, how can I attract people to my property by adding to the experience? One thing I'm learning more and more. And I think we all, we kind of understand this concept, but we just don't apply it to our rentals for some reason. Most people don't, at least, is that guests are here to experience something. They're not here. And the best rentals on Airbnb are properties that allow people to have an experience. It could be, you know, you could think, you know, drastic here. You could think, uh, or extreme, you could think domes or tiny homes or, you know, tree houses, that. But when we start looking at single family homes, properties with views, properties with amenities, like big time amenities, like swimming pools, hot tubs, game rooms, things that provide an experience within the home are properties that tend to do better. Now, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, Kenny, I, I have the views or you know, I have a swimming pool. I think that's when we start diving in deeper and we look at, you know, we look at pricing. We look at, like you said, our competition and the design and decor. Is there anything that catches the eye when a guest is scrolling through our listing, maybe we need to add some color or change some things up. People just aren't used to doing that. And I think we're going to have to start doing that more this year than we were doing in previous years. So it's really interesting that you bring that all those things up. And there's a lot to unpack based on what you said. And what I said, I recorded a Boostly podcast this morning at 7am. And they asked me about the Airbnb, Airbnb bust, Airbnb bust hashtag. And it's, I think that's fear mongering by the person that started it. And, you know, I think we will be behind the ball in January and February. A lot of us are in the summer based months, but if you do the right things, you're going to be able to get bookings, right? I mean, Airbnb yeah. is not going away. Booking search volume is down. I know Kenny can probably attest to that. Airbnb won't because they've added more properties. So it all depends on that biased data, you know, that term that Kenny uses, you know, so look at the, look at the search volume in your market. I used an example a few months ago where Gulf Shores, Alabama had like 411, you know, searches, which was the least I'd ever seen by far, where then I pulled a report back from Price Labs. I think it was Price Labs in 20, in the summer of that month or no 20, like June or July of 2021 at the peak. And there was like 40,000. So it's like this just huge disparity of, of search volume that's happening. And that's one thing where I look at from the marketing piece, we've got to be trying to drive our own traffic and get higher at the top of the funnel in that awareness phase. Because really, somebody's thinking about going on a vacation. They're thinking about their upcoming business trip to your urban location, but they don't plan until it gets closer. We're all procrastinators, right? So we want to get higher in the funnel for those first impressions. That's why I continue to run Facebook ads and I run ads that are just branding, right? I'm not looking for conversion. I just want to, I want them to get introduced to the property. I want them to get introduced to my brand. So that gives me an opportunity that they might remember me when I actually come in lower down in the funnel. So to do that, there's only two ways. You do your own off-platform marketing. You're like Kenny said, you got to focus on rankings. I still believe the number one thing that we all need to focus on, Kenny, is our rankings. Airbnb is still Google. It's an 800 pound gorilla. They're always going to have the most traffic for us. And, you know, we have to be on page one. You really want to be in the top 10. 
because that's all the ranking also impacts your pricing strategy. So that's what I look at in rank breeze. The first thing I look at is when I'm looking at dates, I look at my competitors. What are they charging? What am I charging? And what are they ranked? So if they're number one, two, three, four, five on page one, and you're on page four, you got no chance, no chance. So we got to penetrate rank first before we can really implement our pricing strategy. So the thing for me is what should people do? You need to learn how to get your listing ranked, number one. And number two, you need to understand how to use rank breeze. I think those are the two most important things I have in my toolkit because there's no Airbnb bus. There's only an Airbnb bus for people to buy and during COVID that think it's going to be the same thing, sign it and forget it moving forward. I have had to revert back to the exact same work I put in in 2017, 18, and 19 pre-COVID to hopefully be able to sustain my numbers all the way throughout 2023. I do see people that are commenting, Kenny, on social media. Oh, I've raised my prices. I'm getting more money now than I did last summer. Okay, well, great. What are you getting right now in January, February, and March leading up to that? We don't want to put all our eggs just into the June and July basket, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Yeah, I think the rankings, it, it all starts like with the rankings where you fall in the rankings. And I've seen a lot of people, depending on the market, they're in struggle too. I mean, they have really nice properties. The pictures are great. You know, they're doing everything they can and they're just having a hard time, you know, bringing their rankings up. I've dealt with that. I'm still dealing with that. For some reason, I get dropped randomly and like I just checked mine and it dropped again. And I'm like, well, I was on page, I was top five. Now I'm on page like 16, according to the rank breeze, like what's going on, you know? And so we have to be monitoring this all constantly to see what's going on as Airbnb changes their algorithms as well. But I think that when we're trying to increase our rankings, we need to start looking within our listing as well. I, a lot of people, their gut reaction is just lower your prices. I don't like that advice as the first thing to do. I think we can try to do other things first, like change our pictures, adjust the description, the title, you know, make slight changes to the, the property and the listing itself to see if that has an impact. One thing I, I believe that I've really seen uh, impact rankings are getting reviews, getting reviews, five-star reviews to your property. And it, it just, it kind of boosts your, your listing. And so I would, I would recommend before even adjusting your prices, if you're not getting any bookings before you just first go to adjust your prices, I would see when was the last time I got a review? Maybe you have someone do a virtual stay for you, you know, or have someone, you know, discount the, to get someone there immediately to do a review. You need to check your reviews too. I think checking these small little things can act like, it's like these little dials, you know, it's like an equation. Like we're, we're adjusting the dials to see if that can make a change, a drastic change, you know, in the direction of where our, our listing is ranked. And sometimes we don't need to just jump straight to the pricing dial. It needs to be other things. So I, yeah. it's, it's kind of funny that you ever seen the movie, the hunt for red October. I think it was the first time, you know, Sean Connery and Alec Baldwin, great book actually by Tom Clancy, but that was the first time I ever like saw inside of a submarine and there's a bunch of dials, Kenny, but there's one big red one right in the middle and it says pricing on it, like flashes and everybody goes to grab it. As Kenny said, understand you have, all those other buttons and we need to twist for your analogy the other dials you should do all of those first before going to that big red flashing pricing button in the middle 
And, you know, Airbnb continues to add new amenities, right? And you need, so one thing I think is you need to go in and, and look at your listing today and see what new amenities is Airbnb added that I could potentially check the box. You may have something that they've added that the box isn't checked, right? So if they're adding new stuff, we need to pay attention and you might make some small investments to continue to check those boxes. But I agree with Kenny. There's a lot of options and the pricing should be the last one, in my opinion. Now, I do believe that there is a lot of pricing strategy that's different now than in COVID. A lot of people have asked, hey, Bill, do you still block out dates on your calendar for weeks in the summer? No, I don't. I'm not doing that in 2023. I did in 2021. I did in 22. I have a completely different pricing strategy you know, coming in. Um, I have every date open during the peak season. I just have it priced about 20% higher than what the highest rate I acquired last week or last year, and I have taken some different bookings. Last year, I would hold out with those open dates till almost Memorial Day, uh, you know, the end, middle to end of May. This year, I've, I've set the benchmark at April because I don't want to get stuck without inventory. I'm taking a couple of, of properties that have not shown high demand, not only for, for my personal listing, but also my rankings are good. And then I'm looking at pacing features as well to see what's, what percentages are occupied, what percentages are booked, and what they're, they're paying. Then I'm enemy methoding, you know, to take a term from Avery Carl, you know, and I'm looking at my enemies, looking at my competitors to see if they made any upgrades to amenities or design to their listing. But also I want to look at what their individual prices are to make sure that it compares to rank reason, and see specifically what dates, you know, they have open. And then I'm making manual adjustments. The number one thing for me is don't set it and forget it. Don't care what tool you use, wheelhouse, price labs, beyond, from a pricing standpoint, it's not just set the low minimum high and a few parameters. We really need to make sure that we're doing some manual pricing. The third thing is I'm lowering stay, stay length. My super high demand properties during the summer, I'm doing seven days. I have a, a property on Beach Mountain. It's my A-frame property, the smallest property I have in my portfolio. It's It's nice. It's a good location. It's not ski in, ski out, though. And there's so much competition. I just went in and looked last week. Well, no wonder I haven't had a booking, you know, in two weeks. I'm like 30%, 40% higher for all of my competition. Well, you know what I did? I went in and made Sunday through Thursday single night stays because I've been testing single night stays and marketing with Facebook ads, and it's been working really well. But instead of going in and adding an additional 40%, I just added 15%. They're still going to pay the cleaning fee. Now I'm getting really what I am. So I'm at my peak rate. I've added 15%. Instead of lowering prices, I go to single day stay. And for the first time ever in my gaps, if I have gaps during the summer, I have one night stays available. They're going to be 40% higher. The pricing will be ridiculous. I don't know who the hell would stay at, drive and stay at the beach for a one night stay, but people might. So I think there's different strategies that we need to be testing if I wouldn't have been scared of the winter market being as bad as it was in the fall, you know, kind of like bookings not coming in the end of October, nothing in November, slow in December, then I wouldn't have started testing one night stays, you know, during the in the winter market during peak season. And what I'm seeing is my profitability is scaling up. I don't know that that's going to be applicable at the beach. So I'm only doing that in gaps at the less demand prop, the lower demand properties, and I'm going to have three and four night minimums as opposed to the bigger high demand properties that are going to remain uh, Saturday to Saturday check-ins for seven days. Are you looking to purchase an STR in the Western North Carolina mountains 
the high country, maybe even on, on the beach of North Carolina and the OBX or all the way down into Hilton Head, South Carolina. My man, Tyler Kuhn from Savvy Realty has you covered. And one of the things that I love about Tyler is he specializes in short-term rentals. He takes a no BS approach, is honest, and is filled with integrity. How do I know this? Because I've used Tyler on three transactions totaling almost three and a half million dollars, and he has absolutely crushed it for me. Look, if you're not sure where you should invest, he's based out of Asheville, North Carolina. He helped me invest in Banner Elk, North Carolina, and Beach Mountain, North Carolina. He's not only just a real estate agent that specializes in short-term rentals, Tyler is also an owner of short-term rentals and owns a management company. So one of the biggest hurdles for us mentally is to get over, how do I find cleaners? How do I find handymen? How do I find a plumber? Well, you know what? Tyler's dialed in and he helps his clients navigate those issues. So if you're looking to invest pretty much anywhere in the Carolinas, Tyler Kuhn from Savvy Realty is your man. And right now he's actually doing a free discovery call. You can click down on the link in the notes and set up your free discovery call with Tyler today. Maybe we shift here to beyond, like, let's talk about what if it just doesn't look good? You know, what if you're doing all these things that we're talking about? Then you have to go farther. Then you have to lower your price. Then you need to lower your minimums right? It sucks. But understand when you, all these things for me aren't just happening on Airbnb and Verbo. I'm doing off-platform marketing. I'm not worried about it. They are working. I have been sending emails. I am running Facebook ads. There's a reason that I've taken probably $140,000 in bookings in the last four days now, four, actually close to four and a half days. Um, now understand that's not two properties. That's not one property. That's a lot of properties. 140000 bucks is over about 23 properties right now. Right, that includes owned and co-hosted. So if you break that down by property, it's not that much. You're talking like five, six, seven thousand dollars a property. So, and there's some that are getting nothing, and there's some that are, are doing better than others. And that's what if you have multiple properties in your portfolio, the strategy is going to be different. Even if you're in the same market, I've got nine properties owned and co-hosted in Gulf Shores and Fort Morgan, Alabama, it's a combination. I have to treat every one of them individually. What works for one will not work for the other in most cases. So I guess let me, uh, let's, let's get, let's make it a little, I guess, stickier. So I'm talking to people who they, they've tried everything. So they say, we'll start there, put the caveat with it. They've tried everything. So they say, and they're like, Kenny, if I lower my prices anymore, I can't even break even on this property. Where's their property at? Have you seen the property? I have seen the property. Yeah. They're different properties. So we're talking like these are different markets. I, this is more, I'm sure someone listening is going to be, I can relate to this question. So what do you do? Do you plan to exit? I mean, I'm seeing people who are starting to panic and try to sell and I'm seeing other people like, well, you know, we'll just, we'll just hold on to it. It's not make or break, but we'll hold on to it for the appreciation. But what, what should they do? I, I don't know that there's a blanket answer for that, right? So number one, you got to assess the, the real value of your property for a renter. And can you create demand? You know, let me say that one more time. Can you create demand? You know, there's a lot of work that goes into being a short-term rental host. It was cool that, you know, me and Michael Chogren and, you know, TJ and Sean, oh, hey, I travel in a van. I only work five hours a week, right? I'm out playing golf, doing whatever. You know, all of us were that way because it was so easy you know, during COVID, 
But now my five hours a week has turned into 30, like literally 20 to 30 hours. That's four to six times more than what I was spending four months ago on my portfolio. And I haven't added 20 properties to it. I've added like two to my portfolio, but I'm having to do more things to get it done. But it all at the end of the day, the number one thing is, Kenny, to answer your question is audit your property. You have to audit it and you have to be realistic and you have to have those benchmarks of where you're on with pricing versus your competitors. What about location? What about views, proximity? All of those things come into the equation today because that's the stacking that I talk about from your marketability for your property. An average house, let me rephrase that, a good house in a good location that really is average because I believe in having A pluses and, and A's and the ones that are below a B, like B, B, B minus C's and below, sell the property. Like literally, it's if you're not if you're not going to do the work to drive your own traffic, social media, email marketing, Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads, whatever it is, and you're just going to be relying on Airbnb, then you you need to sell if you're going to break even and or lose money, and you can't afford to cash flow that. I don't think that's an Airbnb bust. I think that it's just so many people could plunk down twenty five to two hundred thousand dollars and invest and buy something pretty much anywhere. You know, Logan, Ohio is a great example that we, me and you, have used many times since our Gatlinburg meeting. I wouldn't want to be in Logan, Ohio today, right? I'm sure if I own in Logan, Ohio right now, I probably have zero to no bookings. But I also have, and Kenny, it's a great question. I have a beachfront property in Fort Morgan, Alabama, 3-2. I'm doing my cost aid right now. It's been $127,000 to renovate it. It's beautiful. It's nice. It does not, it has two future bookings, two. I'm in the exact same boat. You know what? I'm ramping up my marketing for that. I'm not freaking out about it. I know at the absolute worst, the absolute worst case scenario, I paid 980 for the property in December of 2021. So let's just have, I know what I put, I put like $194,000 down. I put another 120 in. I'm in that property for fucking 320 after putting in windows after I got done with the renovation. Cash, that's a lot of money. Well, that property did $217,000 last year. And that started in March. So if I still, and because I didn't even have it live and ready to go until the second week of March, I couldn't even book March, right? So if I can start now, even if I have zero bookings in January and February, but I can go and sustain the exact same numbers I did from March through the end of the year last year and do $217,000 in revenue, then I should make about $91,000 in net income. I'm 100% fine with that. 100% fine with that, right? That is a 38-month cash-on-cash return. So for those of you that are smart like Kenny, that's going to probably be around 26, 27, 28%. I'm not real good at math, but it's less than that 30% cash-on-cash, you know, that I'm looking to to drive. But I'm fine with, you know, a 40 or a 48-month cash-on-cash return right now. But really what I'm fine with is still making $90,000 net off the property. And how do you calculate in appreciation? That's something too. Depreciation. Yeah, gonna, you're not you're not even factoring in appreciation. I'm gonna get a three hundred thousand dollars three hundred thousand dollar depreciation benefit on the cost mm-hmm. sake, most likely. Right. So, but I don't want to talk, I'm just looking pure cash flow. That's why I'm not freaking out. It's it's like Dustin right now, right? I mean, Kenny's down there, he probably paid two hundred dollars a week for the nice property that he's staying <laughs> at. It's just different today. It's like it's 2018 again, right? And most of you that are freaking bought on the upswing, right? It's like anything. It goes like this. 
So I'm going to go back. I'm going to take a step back. That property, 3-2, fully renovated, beachfront. You've seen my wife's design. It's got the fire pit, blah, 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 bike, blah, whatever. Really, the prime starts on Memorial Day. So I have Memorial Day week, and then I've got like 11 weeks of summer, right? Counting Memorial Day. So guaranteed, I'm getting $1,000 a night minimum on that property. So 11 times seven is, you know, 11 weeks of basically $7,000. It's gonna be like 80 grand guaranteed. There's no question that I'm gonna do at least another five to seven grand in March. No question. And then I, so I look at the compression events. I look at the standard holidays, right? I look at those things on the minimum level and I know absolutely worst case scenario, worst case scenario, I'm probably gonna do about 145 to 150. I'm talking if the shit hits the fan, stock market goes down to 11,000, inflation's at 7%, I still believe I can do 140 to 150 on that property and still be slightly profitable. Does that make sense? So yeah. if that's the case, then I'm a holder, right? I'm going to hold on to that property because that property I paid 980 for, you know, what's that going to be worth five to 10 years down the road? It was worth 1.4 million, you know, nine months ago. So it might be worth 1.1 today, maybe even a million today. But I'm, I will, you only get, take a loss when you sell. And I want everybody to understand that you only take a loss when you sell. So if I can hold on, even if that's the weak link in my property, then it's going to be okay. Now, we talk about the other encumbrances, Kenny, a 1031 cost segregation. So I have 1031 funds in that property. So I'm not going to sell it anyways, because I either have to reinvest now or take a tax hit on it. That's why I'm cost saving that. So I have a certain percentage of my properties that I 1031 and I will cost save. I also have properties that I will never 1031 and I will never cost save. So that way I don't have any recapture if I sell in a period of time, typically around five years, if that makes sense. So I think it really has to do with the audit and being realistic of where we are at financially, what our skills are going to be to be able to market our own property, what the cash flow is, what the equity is. And then if we did decide to exit, what are we, what's the tax burden and what are we doing with that money? Right. So, I mean, if you're in a situation, I mean, I mean this is property, property specific, but are you, do you think it's, it's okay to, you know, to sell right now. I mean, I think you should only sell now if you have to. And the have to has to do with where you're at and what, what you come up with after your evaluation and where you're at in life. So I don't know about Kenny's financials personally. I only know my own financials. What I do know is Kenny's a father of a newborn or going to soon be, or has a child soon going to have a newborn in the, in the next six to eight weeks. He left his job a year ago and started to have a new startup business. And those two things make people think differently on, you know, investments versus myself, who's probably in a different, I'm in a different stage of life, right? I'm older than him. My kids are, you know, getting on the way out. I've hit more of my retirement goals because I'm older than Kenny is financially. Just things are completely different. So I'm going to have a completely different perspective than you probably will. You're probably less risk averse than I am today just because of where you're at with your new business and a newborn, right? So the only reason that I'm less risk averse today than I was 10 years ago, so I'm 10 years older and I'm getting closer to the end. So I think that one of the common factors is how comfortable are people with where they're at with their own finances outside of their SDRs. You know, that typically impacts everything for most people. Just like a lady I just had a coaching call 
you know, with with the the duplex I was telling you about down in in PCB. And, you know, I know what they make, her and her husband are chiropractors and they make a great living. I said, well, we need to audit your portfolio. So they bought, I think it was like four or five properties in, in 2022. It was their first year and they're getting ready to do cost savings. I said, you need to audit your portfolio first before you actually do the cost savings on all four of those properties in the event that you decide to sell something you know, in the, now or in the next year or two, there's going to be a recapture of that accelerated depreciation. She didn't know that, you know, so I think it's really, you know, knowing there's a lot of, we, we don't think about what we don't know, right? That's the beauty of like the super team, right? We got you to analyze properties and do stuff. We got me from the marketing and the hospitality side and Ryan Bakey on the tax side and, you know, Jeff on the legal side and John on the banking side and, you know, soon to be another Avenger joining the team that we'll announce later. But don't you feel way more comfortable if you have to make a decision like that when you, we can all discuss your situation or you can bounce stuff off of us individually to make it well, yeah. make that decision? I think that's one of the things that I've struggled with in, in my life until I found like groups. And one of the reasons I want to do it, I guess, I guess I'm Fury kind of, you know, Nick Fury assembling you guys. You guys are the Avengers. <laughs> I'm Nick Fury here. And, um, I feel way more comfortable. And for those of you that are watching this, Kenny calls me and asks me questions. I ask Kenny questions. I had I was texting with Jeff last night. You know, that's the important thing that I would tell people. Don't just go, don't get hyped up on what you see on social media. Half of it, 90% of it's fake and, and wrong anyways, right? Do your own assessment of your own personal financial situation. Do the assessment of your properties. If you have multiples, find the weak link. And then make a decision if you want to exit based on cash flow and what you would do with that money if you did exit, what the tax implications are. Because I do believe, I mean, I look at my portfolio twice a year, Kenny, and I just go through and I audit and I look at it from a financial perspective. And, you know, a lot of people are just buy and hold. A lot of people are short-term holders and they're flippers. And, you know, I'm not either. I'm look, I look at the performance of what's happening and, and I will get rid of a property. So like for me to hold, a little dragonfly, you know, out in Fort Morgan. It's because I believe there's an appreciation play there over the next, because I'm looking for cash flow when I retire in four and a half years for the next 25 years mm-hmm. of my life. So for me to give up 80 or $90,000 in cash flow, or it could be 45,000 if it's a really, really bad year, but I don't believe that I could lose money on that property. I'm probably not going to do it. And I definitely wouldn't do it now because I have 1031 money into it, which I mean, I've owned it over a year. I'm fine with that. But then I've also got cost egg recapture uh, as well. Yeah. I think that the number one takeaway from everything we've just talked about is doing that audit for each property and then your portfolio as a whole. I think that 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 pretty much clearly explains it. I mean, everybody's situation is unique, you know, and, and thinking about some of the people who've reached out to me, you know, I really diving into their needs, it you you start to realize, you know, they can hold for certain reasons or, you know, really hold and take advantage of appreciation. That's something too that, you know, we don't have to spend too much time talking about, but a lot of people are like, well, I'm not cash flowing and this is a bad, this is no longer a good deal. They're not taking into account the appreciation side as well, which that's part of real estate is the buy and hold game, you know? And, and sitting on that and letting it kind of grow and, and compound over time. And the cash flow is kind of the added bonus. But in the short-term rental space where a lot of us are like, you know, we've heard it, you know, cash on cash return, cash flow, th- these like trigger words that that make us like, yeah, that's what we should focus on. But there's so much more to it than that. 
And honestly, I would hate for someone to decide to sell panic sell. I just won't say sell. I'll say panic sell because they're so focused on cash flow if they didn't necessarily need that cash flow to survive. I mean, people are as wildly as it sounds, people are are selling properties, panic selling properties, you know, as quickly as they were panic buying properties last year and the year before. And so I, I really do think that we need to take a second, take a step back, look at the long-term picture here. Look at your property. If it's not getting bookings right now, it will get bookings soon. If you make some adjustments, I think everybody needs to make adjustments, but it's just, it's not going to be at 0% occupancy the entire year. So what you have to figure out is what is it going, what do you think it's going to be? What do you think the market's going to be? Are people just going to stop coming to your market? That's not going to be the case. They're still going to come, but what are other properties doing right now? Are they booked out or not? Assuming that they're not, at what point do you think that traffic's going to be coming in? And then, so forecasting over longer periods of time than just what you're seeing right now. That should be part of the audit as well before you make any major decision of whether you should sell a property and get rid of it. To your point, I think a lot of people are looking at not being cash flow positive for one or two months and you know, kind of getting into that rationale of sales. Yeah. You've got to look at the annual basis. If you can't afford to make it psychologically on an annual basis, then you probably should have never made the investment to start with, You know, unfortunately. And then that's a whole different process to be able to think about. But don't look at just... December, January, February, you got to think about, are people still coming to the beach? You got to look at how lead booking lead times have shrunk, you know, all across the country. I mean, by literally February 1st of last year, I mean, I was like 50% booked out of the beach time prime, you know, Memorial Day to Labor Day, essentially, you know, today I'm probably 20%. Am I worried about it? No, because of the things that I talked about previously here, I know that I can make those adjustments and get booked. If I wanted to put in more work, I would get rid of the seven day everywhere and do like three days with, you know, one day gaps and raise my prices and make more money. But it's just easier for me to do seven days and only have to worry about one check in, one check out. That's why I do it. So there's a whole nother thing in pricing strategies. And one thing I will tell you, if you, if you have nothing but going into February right now, or you are very low, take your pricing where it's at right now. Look at it compared to rank freeze. If you're in line, raise it by 10% and then do a 20 or 25% discount directly through Airbnb. That way you get the email, you get the strike through, you get the, the heightened positioning, all that type of stuff. And you're really giving a 20% discount or a 5% discount by raising your prices and then implementing uh, the discounted pricing. That is a strategy that all of you should be doing now. I probably shouldn't say it because then it's not going to work for us, you know, in our markets. But yeah. that, along with what Kenny said earlier, the virtual stay, to get five-star reviews, just understand virtual stays do break the terms of service of both the primary platforms in our industry. Uh, so there is some risk associated with that. You need to know how to execute it. But those two things are the things that I would be doing like right now, today. And it's interesting. I don't know if you saw the post in our mastermind Facebook group. Somebody uh, got a new listing and they just posted asking for, you know, the virtual stays. And instead of asking for three, they asked for five to six on each major platform because they understand the value of the reviews. And one of the things that I teach our mastermind is when bookings do get slow, go to your accountability group members and get some of those virtual stays. You just got to do it right. Once again, disclaimer, understand it does violate the TOS, the term service of both the primary uh, booking platforms. Uh, so do it at your own risk. Is that it, Kenny? Is that a wrap? 
I, I think that's a wrap. I think we nailed that. That's a lot of stuff. It's, I, I hope people are taking notes on this because I, yeah, they actually go back. We started off slow for like the first five or six minutes, but then some good shit started dropping for the last. <laughs> yeah, they just started unloading it. Yep. So. Just need to get our sea legs uh, underneath us. You know, that painkiller for my back's kicking in. So I'm ready to go. There we go. Yeah. Thank you guys for joining us on the STRonomics podcast. Make sure you check out my personal STR Unfiltered podcast everywhere that you get podcasts. And Kenny, what's the name of your YouTube channel? Is it Kenny Bedwell? My YouTube channel? Yeah, you're doing interviews on your YouTube channel. Oh, that's just on the STR Insights YouTube channel. STR Insights on YouTube. Kenny's doing some great interviews with, uh, who have you, did you have David Menapiece on? You've had Tyler. Yeah. And I had Avery. Tyler Avery Avery talked about uh, her 2023 forecast. That was a really good one. I think it was underrated. So. Awesome. So check that out. That's STR Insights on YouTube and the STR Unfiltered podcast. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to STRonomics. Stay ahead of the curve and subscribe today. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.